Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. I want to ask that Chris and Heidi and Owen and Eli and Liam and Noah all come on up. Let's give a warm welcome to the Cones. church. I'm usually not the first one to talk, but Liz is so, she is so encouraging. Just what she's saying, we're, we believe in them. They believe in us. And we know how it is when you're walking a life of faith and you just keep walking it and you're not sure what you're doing, but then to hear people cheering for you and believing in you, it just, it, it makes all the difference. And to be here in your new building, I just keep wanting to like jump because I, I can imagine, we don't have our own place yet, but I can imagine what that would feel like. And I just am so happy for you guys. So my name is Heidi, by the way. <laughs> this is, I'm Eli. And I'm 13 years old. Okay. Um, I'm Owen, and I'm 16 years old, and we're really excited to be here. Yeah. I'm Liam, and I'm 11 years old. Pass. Noah's going to take a hard pass. Noah just turned eight. Yeah, and uh, he turned eight just after we, we had to route all over the world to get here, and uh, just after we left South Africa, he turned eight in the air on the way to uh, London, and then so he had some birthday in London, and then because we were going back in time, kind of, to get to Atlanta, he also had his eighth birthday in the USA. <laughs> kind of cool, right? So uh, these are our young lions. I have a Navy SEAL friend who, who um, as they take in uh, new cadets who are trying to be Navy SEALs, they call them young lions, and I was like, I'm stealing that. And so we started calling our boys young lions, and then now we have a bunch of young lions uh, in Zambia that I'll tell you all about in just a second. But um, it's an honor to be here with you. We get to do ministry all over the world as a family, and that's a gift too. So thank you for hosting us this morning. You guys want to sit? Uh, now that my boys are getting so big, anywhere we go in uh, Indola, in our, our hometown there in Zambia, uh, people are like, ah, you, you are moving with Malonda. And I'm like, I am moving with Malonda. Malonda means bodyguards. And, uh, and sometimes you need a bodyguard, so it's nice to have big boys walking behind you like all serious. Um, just, I don't know how to follow up, uh, Liz was preaching. No, that was a blessing. You should just finish up and we can, we can get into the presence. That was powerful. We really do love Hunter and Liz so much. We love this church. We feel like in a lot of ways we're connected and part of this because they're family. Uh, many of you guys are, are, are our family from way back and, um, <clears throat> just really grateful. Uh, there, there is a lot of joy living and serving overseas. Uh, there's a lot of challenge too. And traveling back to where you're from, there's a process of kind of decompression and figuring some things out. And we, it's always Hunter and Liz who receive us first and kind of make that like oil. <laughs> we, we just kind of, we, we ease in here and we're just so poured out on by love and kindness and way too much greasy food. <laughs> and we're blessed to, to have dear friends that, that do that for us. And uh, we, we've laughed together. We could tell you some tall tales, and they're all true, good, bad, and ugly. Uh, but we love you guys. Thank you. And this church has been, uh, you might not know it, but you have supported us 
since we since we moved back to to Zambia and uh, and that's huge. We couldn't do what we're doing there um, without just praying. People behind us, our, our kids have been sick. People here have prayed uh, to extend the ministry. People here have given, and we just heartfelt are saying great big thank yous. Uh, I don't know you all by name, but I am so grateful to be connected to you and to be stuck with you in the same room for the next hour or so. <laughs> I promise I won't go too long. We do have to explain a few of these weird pictures, right? Um, so last year, our Christmas card was our, our family of six and then two young men, uh, Mapalo and Jack. They're guys that have been with us since they were young. Uh, we first moved there in 2014, and they're kind of like Zambian sons who are just living life with us. And they were our main disciples last year. And this year we gathered without thinking about last year that, that we stood in that very spot and took our Christmas card picture last year. And someone was taking this picture for us, and Heidi looked back at me and said, look at our family. <laughs> our family has grown this year. So now we have 14 Zambian sons uh, who we're doing life with every day, and there's a lot of great days, and there's a lot of days where we want to choke each other out. Um, but this is the Young Lions. Uh, so, so that's our family over there, and we're here representing them. We're here reminding people that there are dear ones who uh, in some ways have been written off, uh, who have had just way, way rough lives, <laughs> and, uh, and they matter so much. And so uh, we're here as an extension of that bunch of wild men. So we can move on. Um, we sent a few pictures. This year, one of the things, one of the crazy things about, um, about the the corona time is just obviously it's changed the world in a, in a bunch of ways and in Zambia um, right at the beginning they were taking serious precautions just like most other nations um, and a lot of ministries just kind of closed down and locked the gates and and kind of turned inward and others were just kind of trying to wonder where is this going to go what are we going to do and um, and Suddenly, we got busier than ever because even the few guys on our team that were in school, suddenly they were out of school. Schools were closed. And, uh, you know, idle hands can lead to some trouble. And I, I, got, I got 18 teenage sons. <laughs> so, so we had to figure out how to fill some time in constructive, safe ways. And, uh, and so we started doing some different things. We started a running team because I love to run long distance and some of them are great at that. Some of them uh, hated it at the beginning. There, there's some of us running. We, we do these bush runs way out in the wild places nearby us and uh, it didn't take long. Like the first few times we would, we would run together, uh, I, I was more fit than a lot of these guys because I'm doing it a lot. And it was like two times later, and then they're just burning me, lapping me over and over, <laughs> laughing at me. Well, old man, gray hair. So, so that's one of the things. But that house that you saw, um, we just we were praying through some pretty heavy issues with some of these boys, and many of them were living with either a couple were fully homeless, and others were living with extended family. Uh, where there was severe abuse happening. Uh, two of our boys, they, they went, we didn't find them for a few days, and we found out they had been locked in their home. They, they weren't trusted, they were so naughty, and they just got locked in the house uh, alone, no food, the whole thing. And so we were like, what are we going to do? So we ended up renting a house and filling it with these boys. And, uh, and so this is John. Um, we like to joke, Jack... One of the boys I mentioned from, from lots of years ago, he's just such a sweet, dear guy. And he has drawn in some of the guys that are our young lions. And all Jack's guys are really nice guys. One of them wants to be a pastor. Another one never has any words to say. One of them just memorizes scripture, and he'll just like quietly tap me on the shoulder. And I'm like, yeah, and he says, but Chris... And then he'll just quote a scripture to me. And I'm like, wow, how sweet was that? And then, so there's that crowd. And then there's the crowd that Chris invited. <laughs> and, and John is one of those. And I don't know if it's like like attracts like. <laughs> I, I must have been real hell for my parents when I was little. 
because I, I'm attracting some wild guys, and John is a handful. But John is, is, uh, has been rescued, and uh, this is now John's house. He's never had a room of his own, never had his own mattress, never had a blanket, never slept on a pillow, and uh, food was always locked up, and we're, it's hard to feed that many young boys. And uh, we, we've been tempted to lock up the food a few times, but we've just decided at home, you don't lock up food. You could walk in and get what you need, and we're just believing that God's going to make enough and replace it. And so we're trying to do some things different. So this is our shelter home for the young lions. We can move on. Uh, there's just a few more of these. We got to do some baptisms this year. We've baptized now almost all of our guys. There's two maybe who haven't. And so this year we baptized nine guys and celebrated with them uh, just that they were bold enough to make that statement uh, publicly. And that has been such a great honor to watch their faith journeys. Um, one of the things we did when school shut down is we have this giant plot behind our house and it was just, it's real sandy ground. It's not the best for growing, but we just decided we're going to try and start a farm and we're going to give away out of our lack. Uh, these boys have come from nothing and we're just trying to teach them some upside down kingdom principles. Uh, and so we're growing all kinds of leafy vegetables and eggplant. And as soon as we harvest it, we give it away. And at first, they were just like, are you sure? Should we be doing this? And now it's become an exciting thing to think of who we could find to bless. And so uh, we've got this great garden, uh, lots of muddy feet traipsing through my house there, Liam. A um, couple more probably. We showed you the running one. There's the, that's inside the young lion's home. That's, uh, that's in their living room there. I don't know if we have any more. Uh, and then I'll move on. This, this was taken. We did, uh, we did a big run through the bush. Some of them did a half marathon through the bush and had some wild adventures. Owen, my oldest, was chased by an eland, which is like an antelope bigger than a cow with, with dagger horns. And uh, he just in time, like a foot away from getting gored by this thing. So running in Africa can be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's our family. Those are the young lions. There's Eli and his buddy Mapalo. And, uh, and we, we love serving there. We are honored to get to be Jesus' hands and feet. And the truth is mostly um, we're humbled every day because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> We're just trying to show up and be obedient, and we're the ones learning and growing, I think, the most, maybe, maybe more than any of the young lions. It, it feels like God's just doing a lot of hard work on us. Um, man, I keep feeling myself trying to slip into kind of a Bemba accent, and I don't need to do that right now, because when I'm speaking there, if I'm just speaking like this, it's a little fast. My English is fast. My accent, though it's not hunter, Hunter's accent. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's just too fast, so I have to speak e even my English with a bit of a Bemba accent. So I, I, I can feel my mouth, or I don't know, my, it's my brain. Something's yes. trying. Something's, uh, something is trying to bring me to that side of things. <laughs> so, that, so that when I'm speaking, you can understand. And then it's better. Is it better? It's better. Okay. All right. Uh, so... As I was praying, uh, when, when we got asked to share today, um, I was praying for the last couple of weeks leading up to, to our time here for you guys and about this time. And I just, I was like, God, I, I want to be able to share something that's on my heart that I feel like I'm learning, I'm needing to learn. But I also want to have a message for this amazing church. And I have this sticker in my office that came in a mug that someone bought me. Uh, it, it's a Yeti mug. And, uh, and the sticker just says, Built for the Wild. And as I was praying, I kept seeing that sticker and thinking, I, I think that's what we're supposed to talk about. How, how we as the body of Christ, you as Encounter Church, we're built for the wild. We'll, we're built for wild times. We're built for wild situations and encounters. We don't have to shy back from those kind of things. We're made 
with all the stuff we need. It's been designed and wired into us to handle stuff that would make others kind of peel away or, or hide. Just like Liz was, was sharing, like this is a time to shine and to stand strong and to be hope. As we were traveling across the world, uh, things were kind of getting progressively, you know, more interesting as we traveled because Zambia, Zambia is kind of a hand-to-mouth place and they weren't able to lock down for long. They were just kind of like, okay, we just have to get back to life. And so in some ways, we haven't had the intense lockdown situation that, that you guys have had here. And so things were pretty free. However, if it is making you nervous that someone traveled all across the world and is standing in the same room with you without a mask on, I do want to let you know that we had to get, uh, we had to have negative COVID tests uh, within like 24 hours of leaving that, that proved along the way that we were all not carrying uh, COVID-19. So if that sets you at ease, just that little tidbit. Yeah, we're good. All right. I just don't want, I don't want to freak anybody out. But um, so, uh, so yeah, we, we just kind of kept progressively seeing more news all of a sudden and uh, just feeling the tension of the world. And I just kept like having to remind, and even today, just having to remind myself, on Christ the solid rock I stand. My hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built not on political, whoever's in charge. My hope is not built on um, a a vaccination that's got to be hurried up. My hope is built on Jesus. And he is, he's a firm foundation. He's solid rock. And so, um, yeah, so this is a time where the world is needing some hope. This is a time where many people that you're encountering, or maybe you yourself, are just needing a dose, an infusion, uh, or a reminder of the DNA that is coursing through you. The, the Jesus-filled hope for humanity. And so, uh, so we're built for this wild. Orchard uh, in Zambia, we're trying to do things that are a little wild. Uh, we're trying to do things a bit of a different way. We're not trying to establish one big base. We do believe God's going to give us a place sometime. But we're trying to establish into lots of people uh, just what they need to be uh, national disciples for their own nation and for the region. And we meet under trees so that we're super mobile. We can just, we can be on the move easy. And we're starting to see these young men rise up. We kind of thought, that we were going to have kind of a very official um, training that would happen someday and that we would kind of process in our, our first graduating class and we would get to teach them and grow with them. And then suddenly uh, Corona happened and our 14 young lions were the ones at our house every day. And we were like, I think this is our first class. <laughs> we weren't even ready for them. <laughs> so what are we going to teach? So we just started getting into God's word together. And so, um, so as wild as it seems uh, that the world is facing this, we're built for that. And these young men are going to be carriers of that gospel into some of the dark corners of Zambia. And Zambia has some dark corners, just like America has some dark corners. And a lot of that stuff is being revealed and brought to the surface. And it's really uncomfortable. And weird, but I think it's good because I think that's when uh, some real revival s- starts to happen. And, uh, and so we're just believing that these guys are going to confront darkness and, uh, and just really carry beautiful light. Um, and I wanted just to say to you that I think today, if you have felt maybe like I feel a lot, I don't feel really well equipped for what I'm doing. Uh, if you feel or someone has told you that uh, you're just, you're not, you're not cutting it or any of that, I just want to say God's restoring your wildness yes. and, uh, and wild changes things. I love what our brother was just talking about. Like he just felt a little crazy about starting a homeless feeding program and he, may, he maybe looked crazy and he probably did to some people, but I just, I, I think that's what attracts Jesus the most, a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. Welcome to my world. <laughs> I feel ridiculous all the time. 
and uh, very misunderstood. We're, we're living in a culture that is just, there are so many unspokens, and we're outsiders in that culture, uh, and just have so much to learn all the time. It is so humbling, and I regularly feel like a fish out of water, but I just feel like Jesus is saying, just keep showing up. Because uh, I like your wild. I like your style. And, uh, and I wanted to remind you guys of that today. Um, I, I started just thinking about some wild men in the Bible. And there's the ones, there's kind of the, the regular ones that you'd think of. Uh, you know, you got guys who killed whole armies with the jawbone of an ox. And you got guys who slayed giants. And you got all these, like, top-tier special operators. And then there's... There's maybe some, some known names, but a little, a little less like in-your-face, front-page kind of guys. And I was drawn to those guys in this season because I don't feel like a front-page kind of guy probably. But I started reading in Acts 8. If we could go to that verse, I have it here. Um, just a portion of it is going to be on screen, but I'll read through a little bit more. Uh, this is about Philip the Evangelist. And this is just after Stephen has been stoned. There's great oppression. Uh, Rome is just like putting the thumb on Christianity and trying to squelch it. And things are hard. They're living in hard times. Anyone ever lived through some hard times? And, uh, and suddenly an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go south to the road that runs from Jerusalem down to Gaza. This is a desert road, by the way. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch a man of great authority, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Um, Let me read you a little bit more. Uh, So he got up and went, and he... um, There he was, sitting in his chariot. He was reading the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard the man reading to the prophet Isaiah and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how could I if no one explains it to me? And so Philip's like, well, here I am, so let's do this. Uh, and, and now this was the passage of scripture he was reading. He was reading from Isaiah 53 about how Jesus was a sheep led to the slaughter. Why would a, a leader let himself be slaughtered, this man was asking. So it ends up, Philip preaches to him, and then the guy says, I've understood and I'd like to be baptized. Is that all right? And Philip's like, I think you do understand, so let's do this. And they find some water, and he gets baptized. He has this wild encounter. And one of the things I like, maybe because I'm suddenly a running coach, I don't know anything about how to coach running, but I coach a running team. But I think that, I think that Philip ran, it says that Philip ran up to this chariot. I don't know why on just a random desert road a chariot would be parked, right? So in my mind, this chariot is moving through the desert as fast as it can, probably, and God said, go to that desert road, and then I'll instruct you further, and Philip gets to the desert road, and then God's like, there, the chariot, and Philip, without question, just starts booking after this chariot. Can you picture that in your mind? Just like, and what would the guy in the chariot be thinking? Like, I think somebody is follow us. <laughs> you remember that from the Princess Bride? <laughs> I think somebody is follow us. Um, so he catches up. He catches a chariot. And then he's like, what are you reading? <laughs> this is wild. This is what we're built for this stuff. It never does it say Philip questioned. Philip just obeyed obeyed, obeyed, stepped out, looked crazy, looked weird, did what God asked him to do, and had one of the most radical encounters in early acts, in the early life of the church. And this Ethiopian eunuch, who was a high-up officer in the queen's court, probably went back and affected Ethiopia, the whole nation. And to this day, there's an Orthodox Christianity movement in Ethiopia that is like an undergirding of that nation. Like uh, among the continent of Africa, they have some old Christian like principles. And, uh, and so I believe that that started with a little bit of obedience on Philip's part. I love how God just said, get up, go, and guide somebody. And Philip just did it. And I think that people who are built for the wild are willing to just get up. 
We're, willing, we're not going to sit and, and just do what's comfortable. We're not going to just wait for things to normalize because the truth is things aren't normal for lots of people. And, and when things aren't normal for more people, those people need a solid rock. They need to hear a message of hope. And so he encouraged Philip to go. He ran and chased down a chariot, and he obeyed simply. So people who are built for the wild, they just simply obey. And a lot of what God is constantly reminding me is just whether you know what's coming or not, don't worry, I do, and just put one foot in front of the other. Just show up and step out and repeat. <laughs> what is that, the, the old commercial? Yeah, so rinse, repeat, I don't know. Gargle, rinse, repeat. Show up. Step out, repeat, just do it over and over again. And Philip, then after this happens, he baptizes the, the Ethiopian eunuch, and then Philip is transported to another city. Just poof, I dream a genie style, to a whole other city. And it's just so weird to read about, but it's like, what if this stuff was normal? What if God's just, not that we're all just going to appear in Indola, Zambia, though if you do... We'll take good care of you. We'll, uh, we'll show you some local customs and feed you well. Um, but what if these kind of chariot encounters on a desert road in an unexpected place for a foreigner who is just hungry for the word of God, what if they're normal? What if, th- what if God has some of those in store for us and we're missing them because we haven't obeyed or we're missing them because we're worried about what it's going to look like? Or it's going to be weird if I chase down that chariot. <laughs> but, but what if? And I think that people who are built for the wild are just willing to risk the what ifs and look a little silly. And the truth is, Heidi and I strike out a lot. Heidi less than me. I strike out a lot. I miss it a lot. But God's not worried about that. I think God sees that offering and is just like, I can work with a guy who's willing to swing for the fence. He's going to miss a few, but I can work with a guy like that. So look at your neighbor and say, God can work with you. <laughs> I, started, uh, I started also reading a little bit about John the Baptist. And um, we, we know the story that he's just got this crazy reputation of eating locust and honey dripping off his beard and not combing his hair and living in the woods and, uh, and you're just really screaming at people all the time. <laughs> That's how I picture John. Philip's like chasing chariots, and John's just out there knee-deep in water screaming at people. And, uh, you know, I think that society at that time was so starving for um, a warrior king, so starving that they, they were willing to follow someone with, with kind of some leadership qualities. And John probably could have planted a megachurch. But he was built for something different, and he knew it, and he submitted to it. And people who are built for the wild, um, they're, they're not just looking for front-page gigs. He, they're willing to do what God wants them to do right where they're placed. And so I am not saying today that uh, in order to call yourself built for the wild, you have to live in the savannah somewhere. That's where we're called, but that's not where we're all called. And there's, there's places right here that are wild. There are family situations that are desperately wild. And they need someone who's willing to walk right into that generational darkness and confront it. There are situations at schools and at jobs that are just upside down, twisted and turned and wild and wrong. And they need someone to step in there and shine some light and be the answer that the church is supposed to be. So I'm not saying that it's a geographical place. I'm saying that it's a, it's a willingness to show up and obey. And then with John, it's a surrender. He gave himself to preparing a way so that Jesus could be high and lifted up. He made a pathway into the desert and really into hearts. And he just made it possible like a highway so that the spirit of God through the son Jesus could just like come raging onto the scene. And John was good with that. And there's no comparison in that. One of the traps that ministry brings is comparison. Well, they have something big, and I should have something big, and 
they got this and that, and they, they're on the radio, and I'm not on the radio, and are people on the radio anymore? I don't know why that's what popped into my head. They got a podcast, maybe that's a little, zombie is a little bit behind the times. <clears throat> but you know what I'm saying, it's not, it's not, it's not healthy to compare like that, because we're all called, one of my favorite sermons that I ever heard, uh, Heidi Baker, one of our heroes, we partner with Iris Ministries, and they've changed Mozambique, but one of the best sermons I ever heard had an object lesson in it, and I'm a kids' church guy, so I need an object lesson. She called a guy up, Heidi Baker's probably about my Heidi's size, about 5'2", and petite, and she calls this guy who is like Nebraska corn-fed, like, big man named Kyle. He was 6'4", and, you know, he was carrying some girth. And he got up there, and he, she said, take off, take off one of your shoes. And then she took, took off one of her shoes, and they traded. And she said, Kyle, put on my shoe. And Kyle just laughed at her, and she's like, Kyle, I said put on my shoe. So he starts trying to put on her her shoe and it's obviously pretty comical and then she is trying she puts she slides right into Kyle's but then she's trying to run across the stage and it looked like she had a canoe on her leg <laughs> and she said wear your shoes be you do what God called you to do don't try to fit in someone else's shoes don't wish for someone else's shoes because my shoes are going to hurt your feet and your shoes are going to make me look ridiculous. And I don't look good in espadrilles. I don't know what an espadrille is either. But John reminds us that we, we all have our own call. And it might be really unique. It might be really misunderstood. But if you can do that with all your surrender and all your heart, you're built for the wild. And God can use someone who shows up and prepares the way. Because the truth is... Jesus is the front page news. And we're all just trying to like make the highway ready into hearts so that when Jesus comes on the scene, then the hearts are ready. And, and I love that about John. I felt like that was really kind of repurposing the fact that, that I don't have to have a ministry that looks a certain way. And I don't have to worry if it, if it never does. We have lots of dreams for our ministry, but I just... I want to be obedient, and I want to be surrendered. And so John reminds me that. Uh, <clears throat> and then finally, I, uh, I started reading this book called Run with the Horses by Eugene Peterson. It's based on a verse in, Isaiah, or, uh, in Jeremiah 12. Maybe we could look at that one. And, um, and Jeremiah has been complaining to God. He's like, I'm living in terrible times. There's some mean people getting meaner by the day, and they are just experiencing great blessing, and that's not fair. And I, God, frankly, I don't like it. What's up with that? What about me? And he's just, I like that Jeremiah and all of us get to, we can talk to God like that. He's not afraid of us. And he wants us to have a, a communal relationship where we can share good, bad, and ugly with him. And then God says this to Jeremiah, if you have raced with men on foot and they've tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace where you feel secure, then how will you do among the lions in the flooded thicket beside the Jordan? I believe, I, I, there's a little rebuke in there. <laughs> there's a little rebuke in there, but mostly what I believe is God's telling him, I wired you for the wild. I made you to hang out in the thicket where the deep water is. I set you up in my mind, I see you running with horses. I see you doing bigger and better things and wilder things than you can imagine. But if you're getting worn out down here in foot races with men, then you're focusing on the wrong thing. And I'm inviting you up. I'm inviting you to run with the horses. Look at your neighbor and say, run with horses. So this verse in Jeremiah, it reminds us to kind of like re-establish vision, re-establish purpose. Why do I exist? I don't exist to get bogged down down here where not wild people hang out. I don't exist to get tripped up by the same stuff 
that trips up my neighbor. Not because I'm prideful or better than my neighbor. Just I've, I've, I've had the revelation that I was built to run with horses. And God is inviting me to run with the horses. So if I'm going to run with the horses, i got to have a different kind of mindset. And this is, this is what's really cool about the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah never audibly says, okay, God, I'll run with horses. But from that moment on, Jeremiah isn't complaining anymore. Suddenly, there's this boldness in the way he's writing. There is like some stank on the words that he's bringing. And he is, he is preaching to society that is turned away from God. And he is like putting it on them. And he got all kinds of trouble for it. He was beaten up. He was laughed at. But he never faltered after that. Because God gave him a picture of who he was. Someone today needed a picture of who, who you are. And let me tell you, you were built for the wild. You were made to run with horses. You don't have to get tripped up by the stuff that trips up people in a foot race. We're going further and faster than that. And God has something for you. And Jeremiah, for him, like I said, he wasn't one of those like jawbone army slayers. He just, he just spoke the word of God. He just showed up and spoke a word and then got laughed at and then left and then got more revelation and then he showed up and challenged and spoke and then he moved on, got maybe beat up a little bit and then he showed up again. It's just this idea, one foot in front of the other, repeat. Do what God called you to do. And that's wild enough because the kingdom of God is wild. And you can't always see what he's doing in a heart. That heart might be the, the thicket next to the Jordan that he's talking about. And I was reading a little bit about this. There used to be leopards roaming the Jordan in this area. Leopards, lions, all kinds of beasts that were trouble. And people didn't like going in the tall grass. We know about this in Zambia. You can't just wander off into tall grass. Never good idea. Which, considering where we've done our runs, now that I hear it out loud, I'm like, this is a terrible idea. Why do we keep doing this? But maybe the heart is that thicket. Maybe what you're wandering into is a heart that is just lost. And there's some devils in there that need dealing with. And that is powerful ground. And God's just saying, you were built for it. Do what I created you to do. Um, there's heroism in endurance. And I think all these three guys just show us. Showing up is heroic. And so if you don't feel like you are a minister of the gospel because you're not like a full-time pastor and that makes you feel bad, then you've been believing a lie. Let me tell you, if you're, if you're enduring for the gospel, if you're contending for Jesus to be Lord in your family, you're a hero. What you're doing is heroic work and you're built for the wild. And I wanted you to hear that again because I need to remind myself that. Like, I don't just sit around and tell myself, Chris, you're a hero. <laughs> that would be weird. And sadly, nobody else is telling me that. <laughs> Ding dong. I just wanted to tell you you're my hero. That's never happened to me. But I do need to remind myself that God honors those who persevere. God honors people who endure. God honors people who push through the wall. I've run a marathon recently, and there was a wall, and I just wanted to quit. But I just thought, well, my family's waiting for me at the end. It would be weird if I didn't show up. <laughs> and I sure do want to be able to have a medal and tell people I finished, and I had to push through, and it hurt, but I did. And God honors people who just press through, just press another step. And he's going to show, you don't know when the second wind's going to come. But when I started running through the wall, it felt real bad for a couple miles. And then suddenly I had some more wind in me. And it didn't feel so bad as I finished. And you don't know when that second wind's going to hit. And so just press a little further. The second wind is coming. But you're a hero if you endure. Do the needful. Do it again. Courageously live for Jesus. I read about uh, ants. And this book is talking about being the anti-ant. Ants just kind of wander kind of wild 
and a little bit aimlessly to gather, to get, to get, to go grab this thing and carry it over here and get another thing and grab it real quick and carry it over there and follow this guy and put that over there. They're just getting. They're just living this life of constant getting. And this author is saying people who are built for the wild are living to give. We're not moving around with our heads cut off just to, just, but our world is like that, right? I got to have this and I got to get that and I got to stockpile this and I got to do that. It, he, God is just challenging us to just be the anti-ant. Run around and see who you could pour out to, to give away. Pour out, give away, do that, and you're, you're living like a horse runner. Now, I wanted to just tell a few quick stories about um, some encounters I've had with our young lions. There's a few, and like I told you, the ones I'm telling are like our wildest guys, and they're the ones I invited into the, into the family. Um, but there, ha- there have been lots of quitting points just in 2020 that had nothing to do with coronavirus, nothing to do with Trump-Biden. For me, there were a lot of quitting points on a lot of mornings and afternoons and evenings, sometimes multiple in the same day. Sometimes I'm waking up early just to think, could I quit today? <laughs> Is this the day? There, there have been some of those this year. But there also have been little glimmers of hope that just like put some power back in and just like, if you, if you press, don't quit. If you don't quit, you win. Yeah. Navy SEALs say that. Heidi Baker says that. I respect both of those guys, both of those groups, and I believe it. If you don't quit, you win. So show up, Chris. Show up again. So one of our, one of our um, young men is named James. I can't remember if I sent any individual pictures. I probably didn't. But uh, <clears throat> James and John, the guy I showed you at the beginning, are twins, James and John. And uh, in the Bible, James and John were called sons of thunder. And never was that term more fitting for two troublemaking <laughs> twins than with our James and John. I'm telling you, that means a big trouble. Uh, these guys, since we knew them, they have been nothing but trouble. And um, one day I was running down this Kitway Highway, and I constantly get heckled. People are shouting out. Sometimes they say nice things like, get to fit, get to fit. And I'm like, all right. I thought I was fit. What's up with that? But other times they're just giving me trouble. Sometimes I feel like Rocky. You remember the old Rocky movies? And like kids will just appear out of nowhere and I'm running and I look back and there's kids almost tripping me. And just 10 or 15 of them were just running together. I feel like Indola's Rocky. On this day, I was just alone. And I saw someone in the distance coming my way and I thought I, he looked familiar. I hadn't seen James in two years since before when we lived there. And it was James. And his, he was growing out his hair. He had decided he was going to be a Rastafarian. And he came up to me, and I was like, James, is that you? And he said, ah, Bakris, nice to see you. And I said, James, how have you been? And he didn't want to tell me. And I had heard about James. He didn't know that someone filled me in, that James's brother was serving time in a really bad jail in our town uh, because him and James uh, were stealing car engines. And James ran and didn't get caught, and John wasn't fast enough and got caught. And so John was doing time for both of them. And, uh, and I knew that James was hanging with some rough people, and I said, James, I've missed you. Tomorrow we're going to church. Meet me right here at 8 o'clock, and I'll take you to church, and afterwards we'll go get Hungry Lion. Hungry Lion is like, it's our only fast food chain. It's, it's chicken and chips, chicken and f- french fries. And I said, if you come to church, we'll, we'll go sit and have some hungry lion together, and, uh, and we'll just catch up. And then I thought, I could see in his eyes, he's far. He's far away. He'll never show up. And we got there at 8 a.m., and James was standing there. James showed up, and I couldn't believe it. So we loaded him up, and James was not clean, not well on a lot of levels, and he went to church with us. And since that time, we've had some ups and downs with James, but he keeps showing up. James is one of Noah's favorite people, right, Noah? Yeah? (laughs) James and Noah are good buddies, and 
James has such a sweet spirit. He's so laid back. Nothing really bugs him, but he has dealt with some stuff. And we just, we just keep loving James, keep drawing him in. And we're not doing anything that feels outwardly heroic. We just keep welcoming him. But we're seeing God use it. We're seeing God just get into that heart and just soften it and work on some stuff. J- James and John have had some of the roughest stories in our team. And I won't even get into all the details here. But um, recently at church, uh, s- someone else was preaching. And at the end, we were kind of just filing out. And James came up. And I was like, James, how was the sermon? And Heidi's like, talk to him. He's crying. And I'm like, how did I not notice that? And it's really, it's really helpful to have a brilliant, lovely wife. I miss details. So... James is just weeping, and James and John are hard. They do not weep. They're from the streets. They have lived, like, full survival mode, completely, like, independent their whole lives, fighting and scrapping for everything they have, and they're rough boys. They're known in the community by adults that give them a wide berth. These twins come showing up, and people are just like, oh, I, I, what I meant to do was over here. <laughs> They're rough. And James walked right up to us just bawling. I didn't even know where to start. I said, James, what's going on in there? And James said, the, the preacher was talking about letting stuff go, letting old stuff go. And James said, I suddenly had this memory of when my mom died when I was nine. Was it eight or nine? Eight years old. He said, I remembered how sad I was and how mad at God I was and how much it hurt. And I never once cried and I never talked to anybody about it. And it just made me sad. And he just, we just said, we're sad too, buddy. And we just held him. We didn't say, you, what do you say? But we just held him and James cried it out for 10 minutes, a good 10 minutes just on our shoulders, we prayed for him. We just asked God to just speak into that pain. And then James got up and left. He wiped his eyes and like had to get a little hard again to go outside. And he went out. But the fact that he trusted us with that, the fact that he cried, the fact that he let us in, we're just like, God, we're going to keep showing up because what could happen if James was fully given over? If all that old stuff just got really completely healed, James could be one of the missionaries we're dreaming of going to Zambia. And his testimony, his testimony would be so much better than if Chris showed up and preached. The people that need to hear what James has lived through and has been redeemed are not going to listen to me. But that dude that came from where they came from, the streets, the rough parts of where we're going, when he gets fully just set on fire... I'm going to keep showing up to see that day happen. And James taught me that, that, that little glimmers of hope are worth stepping up again for. Like, I'm not going to wake up ready to quit because something happened in James, and I want to see what might happen today. So be encouraged by that. Um, I got another little story. Do we have time? Are we good? We're fine? <clears throat> we got another guy named Samson. And uh, Samson, I wish I would have brought the video Eli sent me. Um, Samson is, hangs out with James and John. The three of them are kind of pretty inseparable. But Samson is, uh, they're, they're really, James and John are really clever and really kind of sneaky. And would you say, kind of, Samson's just more like a hammer. Samson just wants to fight everybody. <clears throat> and Samson was angry when we, when we brought him in. Uh, when we were there before in 2014, we brought Samson into the, the place where we were serving and put him on school programs and feeding programs, and um, we knew some of his story. But when we got back, Samson's a bigger boy now. He's tall, and he, he is just, uh, he's a short-fuse guy, and just angry. <clears throat> and we would have them all over for a party, and suddenly, like, screaming would break out, and we're like, oh, God. Samson's fighting someone again. He's just angry all the time, just, just right under the surface, just screaming and fighting and yelling at people and cussing at people at church. And I'm like, you can't, you're not allowed to do that. 
stop it, Samson, chill out. Uh, and recently we were talking about, well, we've just been talking through some stuff with Samson. And, and recently he said, he said, I've, I'm just trying to lay down this anger. I want God to change that. I don't want to be that anymore. I want to change. And we have prayed with Samson. And lately, Samson has become the most pleasant young lion. He's, and it's only God. I, I couldn't have figured out where this came from. But he's kind of dancing all the time. Sometimes I'll show up to this house in Chifubu where they live. And he'll be wearing pants that aren't his, like, like glittery like, uh, what am I trying to say? Glittery slacks, and then a suit jacket that doesn't match, and a hat that he got from somewhere, and he's just like walking around with a Bible in the community just to be silly. And, and he'll just say things like, God bless you. And then he'll walk up to strangers and just be like, Derivat. <laughs> he's just playing around, but he just turned silly. And we're like, he was the angriest kid we've ever met fighting all the time and now he's just a clown he's just playing around and he does this dance that he, everyone just laughs when they see it and if i tried it would be beyond laughter it would be just like Ugh. <laughs> so i won't but but samson is is shifting and and again it's little changes but we're just seeing the light come in he's stepping up but we're showing up to help samson with that and and I've questioned, God, is it a, like, we're, we're far away. My kids don't have their cousins. They're not, Owen hasn't got to do driver's ed like all his friends back home. And we've got f only, only 14 wild young lions to show for it. Is this okay? Is this enough? Is this what you're calling us to? And then God's just like, look at Samson. What, what if no one told him about joy or a reason to have deep joy? What if no one modeled playing? I, I play with those guys like I play with these guys. It's, it probably would be a little weird, but I, we just like wrestle and tickle, and they haven't had childhoods. And so I'm playing with them like I do my kids, and I don't know if that's proper missionary service, that, but <laughs> that's all I know how to do. And so we're just showing up and doing what simple things are in our hands. And um, one of the things, you'll like this, Liz. One of the things that came out of uh, this last season, we have terrible power outages, like 15 hours a day for months this year, no power. And so at night, it's no fun. We got a few solar lights, but they get dim. And, uh, and we were just, I can't remember what we were doing. We were just feeling playful in the house. And, um, and my boys were hiding from me. And, uh, and so I decided that I, ch I had an alter ego. At, when I put an oven mitt on one hand, I became Senor Tikurhan. And I would chase them around, and they, they love it. And now the young lions are like, Bakris, can we play Tikurhan? <laughs> they want to play with a grown man with an oven mitt. <laughs> I'm telling you, God's on the move. <laughs> um... My emotions about my ministry fail me all the time. I'm constantly feeling like this is not enough or this is not changing enough or having enough impact or it doesn't look like that. My emotions fail me a lot. But what doesn't fail is faith. And sometimes faith, I even had this prophesied over me recently, well, a while back, that sometimes you're going to have to step out and it's going to take so much faith that it's going to be beyond faith. It's just going to be blatant. I trust God. I don't even have faith for what I'm getting into. I just trust God. And that is not going to fail me. God's not going to fail me. So if you're feeling like your emotions are leading you down a dark path, they're going to fail. They, want, they will. They're going to fail you. But a little bit of faith can go a really long way and can change your story and someone else's story. I'll end with, uh, with just one more story. And this is John. Um, how, how pressing through perceived dead ends um, is possible. And, 
And there, there has just been such a softening in John. We, uh, we brought John and James into the house. When we first moved, when we first got back there after, I don't know, when was it? John, when John was in jail for the engine thing, um, we, we had brought James into the fold, and we were, we were working with some other guys, and then John gets out of jail. And so we welcome him. And it was hard just kind of breaking through some of the stuff that he's dealing with in, inwardly and just not sure if we're going to be able to reach John. It just felt like he was far away and it wasn't going to happen. But we kept inviting him. And then we started this running group. And it turns out that John is a very gifted, stinking fast runner. And there's something that John's really good at, and John's super competitive, and he loves being better at something than everyone else. So when we run, suddenly John has a little bit of like an identity boost. Like, I could do this. And I don't know if that's, that was the unlocking secret, but we started seeing John keep showing up, and there's just been a little bit of softening. Well, then John goes back to jail. John got in trouble for stealing again, and like I said, the fierce independence and survival lifestyle has, it's, it's hard to, to break some of that. He has had to steal to make it. And, and some of those patterns are still there. And we're working with him. But he stole some shoes. And um, <clears throat> I had given him some shoes. And he didn't tell me they didn't fit. He, Heidi and I gave him shoes. He didn't tell us they didn't fit. Or someone took them from him. And he didn't want us to know that he lost the shoes he gave us. So he went to steal shoes that looked similar so that we wouldn't think he sold them. Because I gave him a Bible once and he went and sold it. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with here. Um, so he goes to jail for stealing. And his grandma and his uncle told me, when he gets back, we're going to slice him up. Because we're tired of him bringing shame on our family. Maybe we'll gouge out on one eye. So that he remembers, you don't do this to this family. And I was just like, that's it. We're getting John out of here. So I went to the jail. We got John out of jail. We went and picked up his twin brother and we told grandma, see you later. We're not, these boys are not coming back. And we told that uncle, your days of harming these kids are finished. You're coming through me if you're going to touch those guys again. And so we get John and we get John in this home. And he wrote me a letter before we flew here, and uh, it's going to be tough to get through. It is, it's like a really little kid wrote it. He hasn't had tons of school, but he, and then he wrote, like I have a beautiful amplified Bible with a, a leather cover that I really care about. It was a gift from Heidi. I care. He tags everything. John wrote on my leather Bible. And I'm like, I couldn't, I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't see what he wrote. I was just like, oh, John. Then I got home, and it just says, I love you, Chris. And John has started saying stuff like that. And John, like I said, this doesn't come from the old John. And those glimmers keep us moving forward. And it's not flashy what Orchard's doing or what the Cohen family's doing. We don't feel as powerful as Liz made us sound. But we are here to tell you that when you step out in obedience and surrender and a little bit of faith and maybe no faith but just trust and believe what God could do, he's going to use you. And, and the way he uses you is going to be so special and unique to who you are, to your circle of influence, that it's going to change the atmosphere that Liz was talking about. It's going to change your home atmosphere, school, work, whatever. It changes cities. It changes nations. It changed Ethiopia back in the day. What if it could change Zambia? What if? Zambia has eight, it's landlocked, eight neighbors right in the center of Africa. Most of our neighbors are just going through pure hell. Congo, Angola, Mozambique. It's a mess. Zimbabwe. What if a move of God started that just started to ripple? What if that happened in Atlanta, one of the most international cities in the country? What if? And it just takes bold people willing to take a step, get knocked around a little bit, get up, take another step, get beat. Maybe they're making fun of you. Who cares? I want God's approval more than I want man's approval. And 
And so we got to choose courage over caution. Um, I just, I heard it said, it's just, there's no more time to hold the fort. It's time to take back territory that the enemy stole. And in order to take back territory, you got to be moving. It requires some action. So I just wanted you, church, to be encouraged. Why don't we all stand together? I'm going to say it with you, to you again. If you don't quit, you win. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something to you as we close, and then I want to pray. This is by Eugene Peterson, the guy who translated the Message Bible. <clears throat> In the way of faith... In the way of faith, we do not escape because it's too much for us. We plunge right in because we are commanded and fully equipped. It's not our feelings that determine our level of participation in this life, life, nor our experience that qualifies us for what we'll do and be. It is what God decides about us. That's what qualifies you for what you're going to do and who you're going to be. God doesn't send us into the dangerous and exacting life of faith because we're qualified. He chooses us in order to qualify us for what he wants us to be and do. He says, I've just put my words in your mouth, Jeremiah. I've given you a specific job to do among the nations and governments. This is a red letter day. This is a red letter day. God is burning alive inside you. He says you're qualified. And sometimes standing up and doing the thing you're least qualified for qualifies you. You just show up and then you're qualified because there's a bunch of people who aren't willing to show up. There's a bunch of people who aren't willing to be humbled like it's going to cost. And I wanted to read one last quote. I just love this. I read a book called The Last of the Breed. And it was a guy who was from the Sioux Nation. He was an American Indian from the Sioux Nation. This is a fiction. He was shot down behind enemy lines in Russia, and they're going to interrogate him because he has these secrets uh, about our warfare. And the author said, but they made a mistake. They didn't know what kind of man they were dealing with. And so he escaped from this unescapable prison and runs off into Mongolia, and they're like, what a fool. Mongolia will kill you, or we will. And as he's on the road, this is what he's saying to his own spirit. This is what he's telling to himself to himself. I do not say it will be easy. I only say I will do it. My heart is in the wilderness with feathers in my hair. He was just like, I'm born for this wild. It won't be easy and I'm not pretending that it is gonna. When you're going after the darkness that the devil has has spread around the world, the lies he's put in people's minds and the hold he has, it's not gonna be easy. We only have to say we're gonna do it. It's worth it. People are worth it. John and James and Samson and all the others are worth it. Your family members, your schoolmates, they're worth it. And you were made for the wild with feathers in your hair. That's you. That's us. So I just want to pray a prayer of just, just rewilding over you. <laughs> Is that okay? Bow your heads with me. And if you're comfortable, just open your hands to receive. I think God really wants to just put his stamp of approval on you that you're wild and he likes that. Jesus, we thank you so much. There's no one wilder than you. There's no one who ever made a riskier decision than you. You left your throne in heaven and you came to the filth and squalor of this broken earth to rescue humanity. That plan on paper looks bad and it sounds even weirder, but you made it happen out of great and abounding love. You took steps of faith for us because you just desperately had to have us as your own and we thank you for that Jesus and Lord now we're here on this earth bearing your name what an honor that is and I just pray that we would bear it well that we would be rewilded that we would know who we are inside that we wouldn't worry about comparison anymore that we wouldn't be trapped with things that trap others but that we would be people who step out and step up and do it again and do it again and do it again for the sake of your name, for the sake of your glory, for the expansion of your kingdom. Lord Jesus, we're, you're worthy and we're willing, Jesus. So I just pray right now, if lies have been creeping into people's minds, I'm not enough or I'm not this or that, that you would just erase those lies, replace them 
Replace them with your stamp of approval. Replace them with who you say they are. And I just pray, Jesus, that you would equip us for the work you have for us. Show us what chariots we're supposed to run up next to and step out boldly. Show us, Jesus, how to make a way into people's hearts so that you can breathe and move and live again in those hearts. And show us, Jesus, how to run with horses so that we're not caught up in a lower life, a half life. We want to live fully for you, sold out completely. Heidi, I just felt like, like Heidi was going to have a special word. I didn't tell Heidi this, but I just felt like Heidi should pray over us. And just after she prays, if you feel like you want ministry, even if it has nothing to do with the sermon, I'm sure that the, the team would love to pray with you and we would love to pray with and for you. But uh, just, just receive what God's doing. I think he's really speaking right now. believing and feeling just a shift um, shift from anxiety to faith to hope a shift into um, a freedom as purpose is rediscovered God we just bless that right now thank you for your whispers Thank you um, for reminding us what you've called us to do. Thank you that as we give our life, we really find life. God, I've known that to be true in my life and in my testimony. The more I surrender, the more I find life. God, the discovery of that adventure with you is worth it. It's amazing. God, so we open our hands right now. We lay out all of our fears, all of our concerns, all of our questions. Lord, and we just want the adventure that you have for us. We just want you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this church. Thank you. Just see like a heart. Just this church is like it's pumping. It's pumping life to a lot of places. Thank you, God. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Hunter and Liz for keep how they keep showing up. It's amazing. Just bless that God. He's using that in ways you don't even know. It's just releasing life around your city but around the world. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.